Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. We're going to begin to expound and amplify Last year, 2017, beginning of the year, I did a series on, we entitled it Matters of the Heart. So this is going to be Matters of the Heart 2. So we're going to dig, everybody say dig, and where the Word of God instructs us, we'll be instructed. Where the Word of God corrects us, we'll be corrected. Amen. Where the truth of the Word of God slaps us around, we're going to let it slap us around. And we're going to line up with the Word. Everybody say, line up with the Word. Amen. I'm telling you, that's where your blessing's at. Now, First Peter, excuse me, Second Peter, chapter 2, uh, verse 3, According as His divine power, now notice it's past tense, hath given unto us all things, everybody say, all things, that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Everybody say, glory and virtue. Now, it is the knowledge of the Word of God that calls us to glory. Everybody say glory. Now, you say, well, what does that mean, preacher? I mean, we're called to glory. Now, that sounds pretty cool as far as, you know, we're sitting in church, but, but, but does that mean anything when we go outside these four doors? Does that mean anything? Is there really any meaning that God has called us to glory? Absolutely. The glory of God is that which is of God, when it comes into manifestation in your life, that is the glory of God. The finances that come into your life that you're believing God for, the healing in your body, the, the salvation of a loved one, uh, the breaking of, of an addiction or the breaking of, a, of depression, whatever it may be, that's the glory of God in manifestation. And God wants you to know you're called to His glory or you're called to reveal His glory. Your life, people should be able to look at your life and say, Look at the glory of God. The glory of God is on that person's life. Amen? Should be able to do it. But the problem is, for a lot of, a lot of people, it's not true. It's just not true. Now notice this. We're called. Ever say, I'm called. Say, I'm called to glory and virtue. Now, virtue, that's the word power. Everybody say power. That means God does not want you powerless. He wants you powerful. Now, it says, uh, verse 4, Whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Now he's speaking of the Word of God. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Everybody say divine nature. Now think about the divine nature, the nature of our Heavenly Father. Now this is where a lot of people are confused and a lot of people really have a hard time because they do not understand the nature of God. They think God wants to beat them up. They think God wants to slap them, slap them around. They think God is just hanging out trying to put a hurricane or a tornado or a cancer or something on them to try to teach them some great lesson of piety, which is absolutely wrong. God is a good God. God is a loving God. He, has appoint, he hasn't appointed anybody unto wrath. Amen. The Bible says He tempts no man with evil, for He Himself cannot be tempted. There's no evil in Him. There's no wrong in Him. There's no bad in Him. He is a good God. He is a compassionate God. He is a kind God. And He wants to bless your socks off. He wants you so blessed you don't know what to do. Now, everybody say exceeding. Great and precious promises. So it's by the Word of God. 
that by these you might be what? Partakers of that divine nature. Now notice this. Having escaped the corruption. Everybody say corruption. That is in the world through lust. So what is in the world and in the world system? It's corruption. No matter how they paint it up, no matter how many dollar bills they slap on it, no matter how much makeup they put on it, no matter how many uh, you know, jewels they attach to it, it does not matter. It's still corruption. It's still corruption. And corruption always runs its course. It will always run its course. The, the, one of the sad things about America is the deterioration that I've seen in this nation in just my lifetime. There's been a tremendous manifestation of corruption in our nation from the top down. You say, well, well, I don't know if that's still America, the land of the home, free and the home of the, of the brave. Listen, church, there are things in America that 40, 50 years ago uh, you wouldn't even mention, you wouldn't even talk about that's legal now and everybody accepts as just being the norm. There are things you cannot do. I mean, you, you, you try to pray in the name of Jesus in a public place, you try to do, and they tell you you cannot do that. What have they lost their minds? Isn't there still one nation under God? Isn't Jesus Lord and God over all? Well, we won't go there. I could get on my soapbox, but I'm not going to do it. Now, notice what it says. We've escaped it. It is the will of God for you to escape that corruption. What is ever in, what is ever in this world, and, you, and it says, what, what does it mean there? Through lust. That means lust is the foundation. Lust is the foundation of corruption. Amen. I mean, if you look at the balance of the world, you say, what do you mean the balance of the world? You, you, you can find a man in America that's worth billions of dollars. And you can find a child in a third world country that has nothing to eat. That's lust. I said that's lust. One unwilling to alleviate the suffering of another, that's lust. That's what that is. Now you say, well, what do you mean? God will alleviate that one day. Jesus will set up a, a millennial reign upon this earth for a thousand years where, where Satan will not even be here. He will not be active on this planet. And God will alleviate that to show everybody what a good God is. In the meantime, we must understand that God's not in control of everything on this earth. Now, go to, the, go to Isaiah real quick. We'll go there. I've got so many scriptures I want to go to. I'm going to try and stick with my time limitations and Make this thing go good. Now, look at Isaiah uh, chapter 1, verse 19. Now, notice this. We've used this scripture hundreds of times, all kinds of settings. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now, anytime you see a phrase like the mouth of the Lord has spoken it, or thus saith the Lord, in the Word of God, in the Bible, or the canon of Scripture itself, it means God is putting a double emphasis. He's saying this, pay attention. Pay attention. Now, notice the first word right there, the very first word of chapter 19. Notice the first word. Now, what is that? Say that again. If. Now, this removes the doctrine of God being in control of everything. You say, well, now what do you mean, Pastor? There could be, if God was in control of everything that's going on in the earth, uh, the, the little starving children in the third world country, the tsunamis that hit, uh, uh, all the money that's, uh, that's being traded on, if He was in control of all of that, there would be no ifs in the Bible. You say, what do you mean by that? If shows us there is a control level that you either give to God or you withhold from God. Every time you see the word if in the Bible, it means you need to make a choice. 
Romans 10, 9 and 10, the end of the Roman road where people get saved. If thou shalt believe in thy heart and confess with thy mouth that God hath raised Jesus from the dead. That shows the salvation is what? It's a choice. So people would say, well, God's in control. God's in control. God's not in control. If he is in control, he's got this thing in a mess. There was a writer that wrote for the, for the, uh, 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 the New York Times during, during the Vietnam War, and he came back from a tour over there. Uh, 68, 69, the Tet Offensive had taken place. There was all kinds of death and destruction. And he wrote in his article, he said, you know, I'm not a Christian, but I'm not an atheist. He said, I believe there is a God. But the, the real problem I have with God, if God is in control of all this, he's got this messed up really bad. Well, God is not in control of all of this. And God is only in control of what you put him in control of. Amen. Now you must understand there is a divine will of God. There is a sovereign will of God that will be acted out and played out by God. But in the meantime, we are literally subject to that which we adhere to in the Word of God in order to bring God's control into our lives. Now notice this scripture. This should be a real shouting scripture for most people. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. One translation says you shall eat the good things of the land. One says, you shall eat the good and the best of the land. Uh, uh, a living Bible says, if you'll only let me help you, I'll make you rich. Uh, that's, what, that's what the New Living says. Uh, Message Bible says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll feast like kings. If you rebel, then you'll die like dogs. Pretty plain. Pretty plain. Now, a lot of people think, well, I'm a Christian now. I'm saved, I go to church, I'm not rebellious. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not true. We were all born under the, under the, how can you say this? Under the curse of Adam's sin. And we were born into rebellion. We were born into defiance. When you got born again, your spirit man got born again and washed with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you are left with flesh and a mind that has been trained all your life till you got saved, and it was trained with the whip and the staff of rebellion and defiance. Amen? Now, you got to... Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord, how far are you going to let me go with this? I don't know if I ought to go far with this or not. I'm just You know, you start getting into this, and you start thinking about things. That... When, I was, when I was in field ministry, I'll give you an example. When I was in field ministry, I was very isolated from people. I was very isolated from people. I, 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 uh, the church I went to uh, respected me a lot. I, I sat on the front row right next to the pastor just about every service. Lee and I did. Every service we were there. Uh, we came in. We went out. Didn't have very many relationships. Didn't know many people. Didn't go out to di dinner with people. We tra I traveled a lot. Traveled a lot. I was always a special speaker in a church. So I really didn't know, know much about people. I didn't know much about people. Till I started pastoring. And since I've been pastoring for the last 16 years, I have been cursed. I have been yelled at. I have been defied. I have never seen so much rebellion in my life. Kind of makes you want to go back to the field. I think to myself, my God, don't these people see what they're doing? Don't they know what they're doing? And the problem is, when you have interaction 
with a, with a person, a man of God that's a prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher, no matter who may they be, you, you either see them as who they are or as what they are. If you see them as who they are, you will always be rebellious. Who's he to tell me what to do? Well, he just puts his pants on one leg at a time like everybody else. Who put him in charge? That's nothing new, church. That's nothing new. That's all through this book. That started in heaven before all, you know, here's Satan. He's up in heaven. He's saying, I will ascend to the sides of the north. I will be like the most high God. I will. I will. I, you know what he's doing? He's trying to use faith. Did you get that? And he, he's trying to use faith because that's what God is. God is a, a God that speaks and it happens and speaks and it happens. So Satan thought, well, I'm going to try. I'm going to give that a try. And he convinced a third of the angels. And they got into rebellion and they fell. Amen. So you must understand in this scripture, it is literally giving us a blueprint for how to eat the good, the best of the land. And the problem is so many believers fall short of eating the best. You don't even think the good of the land. You don't even think it must much less enjoy. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there's 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 you know what you can get by with. There's there's stuff that's okay, then there's the good stuff. Everybody say the good stuff. You know what the good stuff is, don't you? The good stuff. Now, see, I, I got to keep a close eye on Leah's face because she's the one that always reins me in or lets me go when, it starts, when we start talking about stuff. Because I've seen whole moves of God messed up when preachers got up and started talking about stuff. It didn't affect their stuff. It didn't affect anything they had or did, but there was so much rebellion in the crowd that there was such a reaction to the stuff that was talked about that they shut the whole move of God down. Lost an $18 million church over it because somebody talked about some stuff they had. Amen. But you got to understand, God wants you eating the fat, the good, the best of the land, the very best. And when we think of the very best, many times we just sell God short, sell Him down the road. Say, well, you know, I, I can get by with that. I can just, I can just get by with this, get by with that. Yeah, but, but in reality, that's why you've got to get to know God and learn to search and probe His heart for you. Because when you begin to search and probe His heart for you, you will find out He wants you to have a whole lot more than you even want for yourself. And He wants you to have a whole lot better than you would even get for yourself. You can make mistakes and God will bless you. Made a mistake one time of. We ordered some steaks from. Who was it? Allen Brothers or some steak company, and you know you order some steaks and they, uh, two or three weeks, two or three months, whatever it was, they they'll send you, they'll hook you with a with a with a special. Try this, you know. So I, I got a little coupon in the mail or somewhere, and it was. Uh, 50% off these steaks so we ordered them and they're the best everybody say they're the best so the problem was we ate them uh, now they're the best everybody say the best they're the best these are the best you can buy the best you can get they don't give them away so we made the mistake of eating one of the best. You say, what happened? 
We got a taste for the best. <laughs> and when you get a taste for the best, second best won't do no more. So we don't eat near as much steak. But when we eat it, we eat the best. Am I right? It's the best. That's why we don't have y'all over for steak. It costs thousands of dollars. Amen? And, and, and you have to understand, uh, these things, see, our mentality many times is so geared toward the natural, toward the world, just, you know, I, this is what I grew up in, and this is what's available, and, and you know, uh, but in reality, when you begin to think about what's available on the planet, what's on the planet, all of the stuff that's really, you know, the, 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 uh, the Rolex, the, the, the Mercedes, the, uh, the, the big houses, the, uh, the nice stuff, the, the, the private jets. Well, that's all for the devil's crowd. That's all for the devil's crowd. That's for the devil's crowd. There ain't no Christian, Christian in the right mind. Because Christians, if they've got anything, then there's something wrong with them because they haven't been given to the poor. Come on, church. If they were given to the poor, they wouldn't have that stuff. Because, you know, the Bible said, the poor you have with you always, so you you got to do something about the poor. How hypocritical is that? When we're probably doing more for the poor than anybody's ever done for the poor. But you let a Christian start to get blessed and get a little stuff, then all of a sudden all this blowback comes on them. Because if a pre, especially if you're a preacher, if a preacher's got anything, there's only two ways he could have got it. He's either stolen it. Come on, church. He's either stolen it or he has so manipulated people that they're blindly, you know, Jim Jones, they're just, and I've heard the, I've heard the phrase, they're just drinking the Kool-Aid. You ever heard that phrase? And they're just drinking the Kool-Aid. Well, they say that about Island Church all the time. I heard somebody one time say, I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid anymore. Yeah, you're not blessed anymore either. There is some Kool-Aid that's good. Come on, church. So if you're willing, everybody say willing and obedient. Now, notice willing is your heart. Obedience is your faith. Willing is your heart. The opposite is rebellion. Obedience is your faith. The opposite is fear. Did you get that? And when you begin to realize this whole stinking mess is in the shape it is, all the pain, all the hurt, all the discomfort, all the anxiety, all the woe, all the, you, you just wrap it all up, all of the problems of this, of this entire earth, you go right back to rebellion. That's the reason it is the way it is, is because of rebellion. The earth got so violent because rebellion, as you follow its, its, its path and its way, it's so violent that God came down to the earth and looked around, there was so much violence on the earth, he was ready to do away with humanity as we know it. And he found one righteous man. His name was Noah. And through Noah and his family, I'm going to shake his hand when I get to heaven and say, Thank you, Brother Noah, for living right when nobody else was, when everybody else was violent. Thank you for doing what you were doing because I'm telling you, if it wasn't for you, it would have been just like some other 
civilization that may have lived here, I don't know, 50,000 years ago, 100,000 years ago, because on the earth there is evidence of other civilizations that were here that are not here anymore, and all these people that study that say of these civilizations, some cataclysmic event happened and erased them off of the planet. Well, I'll tell you what, it was a judgment of God. So this ain't the first time God's dealt with this. But he is concluding and wrapping this up by separating for himself a group of people who are going to become submitted unto God. Now, the two scriptures real quick come to mind. I'm not going to, don't turn there. James 4 verse 7. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen. Now, the scripture before that, verse 6, talks about how God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit, now notice the term, submit yourself. So submission is an act of your human will. Now, 1 Peter chapter 5, you don't have to turn there. We'll stay here in Isaiah for a moment. It talks about submitting to the elders, submitting one to another, then humbling yourself, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Amen? Then it talks about casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Amen? So your adversary is a seeker. And he is seeking every one of us trying to probe us, trying to motivate us. As we said last time I spoke, last week Brother Egan was here, but the week before when I spoke on thoughts, he wants to hurl thoughts into your mind. Hurl thoughts into your mind that will cause you to step out of submission and into rebellion. Now, let me just say this. This, this may help someone. I hope it doesn't, but if, if, if you need it, go ahead and take it. If you're going to live in this world system, and by this world system, you cannot afford to be submissive. This world will eat you alive. You better be defiant. You better get an iron backbone. You better get hard. You better get mean. Because that's the only way you're going to survive in this world system. Come on, church. But if you want to eat the good of the land, if you want to be pleasing to your heavenly Father, if you want to be blessed by God, protected by God, prospered by God, healed by God, you're going to have to find a place of submission in your heart. Now, three things. Everybody say three things. These are three areas of submission all through the Word of God. Number one, we submit to God, which means what? We submit to His Word. Now, a lot of people never make it past step one. Question A. Because when you go through the Word of God, you see things that are very challenging to your intellect. A lot of people never make it past tithing. They never make it past, you know, just can't do it. Can't, nah. 10 percent of my money into the church can't do it. Just can't do it. Now here's the thing. When you bow up against anything in the Word of God, then you give an opportunity for fear to enter into you. And when fear enters into you, that is the open door for rebellion to begin to 
work in your life. And listen, I'm just like everybody else. When I first heard about it, I mean, I watched my mom and dad do it for years. I never, never dreamed I'd have to do it. I figured I'd be able to be in sin long enough to, to, to weather that one. You know, just live my life out in sin and have a deathbed experience and go to heaven, stand there with a palm leaf, you know. That's what a lot of people thought about me. Too bad. Too bad. So I started getting revelation from the Word. And when revelation comes, there's always opportunity for fear. Because you can hear about, well, Pastor, you mean to tell me there is a, a scripture in the Bible that talks about every dollar I get, a dime belongs to God. It's not even mine. Every, every, every uh, uh, dime I get, uh, a penny belongs to God. Every $100, $10. Yeah, yes, yes, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. And if you obey that scripture, then the Bible says the devourer is rebuked. Who's the devourer? The one it's talking about right here which says you will be devoured. That's who it's talking about. He'll be rebuked. God will open up the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing you cannot contain, and your seed will not cast itself before its time in the field. That means you're going to be a good farmer of God's stuff, and you're going to grow good crops of healing and prosperity and blessing. I'm proof of it. My wife and I are proof of it. Proof of 30-something years of it. We've not been perfect at it, but it's worked. There are other scriptures. And many times when you get past the, uh, the tithing and the, you know, being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues and, and being born again and all these other things, then you start getting to scriptures that deal with your character and then you get real resistant. That's just the way I am. That's the way mama was. That's the way I am. No, 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 no. When the Word of God brings instruction and correction, when it, when it chastises you, when it, when it, it's not trying to do it to your detriment. It's trying to help you. God's trying to get you into a position to, be, to bless you supernaturally. Now, let me, I, I've, I've done this a couple of times the past couple of months. I'm going to do it again now. Let's, let's make sure we're on the right page, everybody, on the right page with God blessing you. There is that which you can produce for yourself. Everyone out there does it. People working the same job you're working on, people, people uh, doing the same thing that you do, they're out there, they're getting their paycheck, uh, they, they, they work a little overtime, they work an extra job, they get a little extra money, they do a little this, a little that, they try to help some, they get a scratch ticket, they try to get, they try to get a little money that way, uh, they, they run up to Vegas, they do this, they do that, doing everything they're doing to try to get something. Come on, that's just, that's just the way it is. Am I right? That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you being submitted to God, being submitted to His Word, being submitted to the will of God, and all these different things we'll talk about in a minute. And as you're doing that, then yeah, you're working a job, you're getting a paycheck, you're doing all of that, but your, your finances, your life has no natural element. It's got a supernatural element to it. That means blessings come things that you cannot produce for yourself, rewards and blessing, because God is a rewarder of those that what? Diligently seek Him, and reward is not something that's earned. And God will bless you, and bless you, and bless you. So there's the Word. We're going to come back to these three. And we're going to talk about them. There's the Word. There's the Spirit. Everybody say the Spirit. God wants His Spirit working in you. God wants His Spirit uh, upon you, and he wants that spirit to be your gyroscope, your compass. That means you go where the spirit says go, you do what the spirit says do, you hang around with the people that uh, it says to hang around, you stay away from the people it says stay away from, and the Holy Ghost, as it gets strong, the Holy Spirit, as it gets strong in your spirit, you begin to hear the voice of God. 
And he begins to direct your path. And even though you may go through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. Didn't mean you didn't say you wouldn't feel it. Said you wouldn't fear what you feel. Amen. So everybody say the word, the spirit. Then here's the tough one. People. Spiritual authority in the church. Now, traditional church doesn't want nothing to do with that. They want a pastor that they can vote on. And if we don't like him, we will vote you out and get someone else. Don't try that here. That's not the order of God. When people begin to read the Bible and see that deacon-possessed churches... We're not, you say, well, Pastor, what about all these big denominational churches? They're an organization. Amen? Well, Pastor, I I thought the pastor was supposed to be poor and humble and, and, you know, we kind of kick him around like a dog a little bit and, and, you know, we'll come and listen to him, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, as long as he he preaches short and and, and tells a good funny story every once in a while, then, you know, it's good. But, man, if he gets up and starts saying things that are radical and about God want to bless you, and, and did that pastor say Rolex earlier? Oh, am I one of those kind of churches? Well, maybe you are. Let's go back to who and what. The problem is, pastors are not a who, they're a what. And when you are rebellious against spiritual authority that's set in the earth, you're rebellious against God. And God takes it personally. Amen? Myself, I'd just rather not deal with it. I just, well, I just want to deal with it. But then you come and you're pushed up to places where you have to deal with it. Amen? And sometimes that's not good, some that, but you've got to understand, it is the mandate of a pastor to feed the flock of God so that the flock of God can grow and live in the blessings of God. God wants you blessed. God wants you healed. And I found this out about God. Nothing in the Word of God is designed in any way to demean you, hold you down, push you back, or make you sit down somewhere and be some kind of little old house mouse with nothing going on. It is created for you to be more than a conqueror. For you to rise up in the anointing, the power of God, and be bold, and be a threat to the devil, and a blessing everywhere you go. Amen. Amen. Now, since you're there in Isaiah, just go right there to to verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 1. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken it. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Now notice the next verse. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people do not, does not consider. Now literally, it is saying this. You take an old ox, he knows who he belongs to. You take a donkey somewhere, he knows who he belongs to. Amen. I mean, you come to my house and try to call my dogs, they won't come to you. You say, why? They know I own them. You say, well, how do they know that? Because I feed them. I take care of them. I look out for them. I watch over them. If they're sick, I take them to dock. If they're, if they're hungry, I feed them. If they're dirty, I wash them. I take care of them. I look out for their well-being. I am their owner. And see, the world does not know God is its owner. 
You don't breathe unless God says breathe. Your heart does not beat unless God puts the spark of life in your heart. The crops don't grow up in the heartlands so that we can eat. The cattle don't grow on a thousand hills unless God says it grows. He takes care of us. He loves us. We are His children. Amen. He has provided for us through redemption. There's all kinds of things that God is and that God does that the world does not even realize. And God says, these people that I've created, now he's specifically talking about Israel, he says, they have rebelled against me. Now, rebellion is so, how can I say this, in the world system is so celebrated. That the more rebellious someone is, the more they're celebrated. Unless they're rebellious past the point of civil law. Then they're celebrated somewhere else. Come on. Did you know that as much as notoriety as Dr. Billy Graham has. Did you know Charles Manson also had that same notoriety? Celebrate rebellion. Our prisons are full. Our country per capita has more people in prison than any nation in the world. Now, when that boggles the mind, more than China, more than North Korea, more than Iraq, more than Iran, more than Vietnam, more than any other nation in the world, in mass... The citizens of this nation are locked away. Why? Rebellion. Rebellion. But now if you can restrain it a little bit and maybe put a guitar in its hand or sit it down at a piano or put it on a movie screen, I'm getting quiet in here, amen, then it's celebrated. Wow. Look how rebellious they are. That One of the most... Incredible anomalies was during the football season when these, these guys wouldn't, wouldn't stand for the uh, national anthem. Now, now, you talk about an odd-looking thing. Here's a multimillionaire, multi-multimillionaire, who this nation and its freedom has afforded him the opportunity from the seventh grade 8th grade, 9th grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, college. Now, into the pros, $25 million, $15 million, all this money has afforded him the privilege of earning that much money and having that much notoriety. So they play a song and they raise a flag, a flag in which many young men their same age never made it off Omaha Beach, never made it. Never mind. You say, well, that's just, that's just your political view. No, it's not. No, it's not my political view. They never made it out of the jungles of Vietnam. They never made it out of Fallujah. They died when they were 18, 19, 20, with a bomb going off or a round going through their body, laid their life down so that that individual could play that game. That's, that was, I, I watched that and I thought, we're living at the end of the 6,000-year span of human existence on this earth, and iniquity and sin have mastated to the point where, where, where rebellion is celebrated, celebrated, 
and, and, and rejoiced over as being, you know, well, they're independent and, and what, what, what uh, uh, courage they have and uh, what character. They, that's not courage. That's not character. That's rebellion. Rebellion against a system that makes them who they are and what they have. You say, well, you don't understand uh, the plight of the black man or the plight of the uh, Hispanic man. And it's not the plight of, it's mankind. The whole thing's messed up. Amen. And because of that, it becomes celebrated and it passes from one generation to the next and gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. I, I, I haven't experienced this. Uh, Lee and I experienced the other night. I watched some on TV. And uh, uh, a person was talking, this lady was talking, and she mentioned her wife. It's the first time it happened to us. I, I guess we're kind of, don't watch as much. We ought to watch a little more, hey? But they, they mentioned their wife, and it was, it was so abstract. It was like, wait a second, wait a second. Isn't that a woman? Oh, maybe it's a woman dressed up like a man dressed up, up like a woman. But it wasn't. And all the accolades they got, and all the self, that's rebellion. It's rebellion. Now listen, you say, that's not politically correct. We're not trying to be politically correct. We're trying to get the blessings of God into your life. And the problem is, you, they are already legislating in our government right now where if what I just said gets said after the legislation, I go to jail. You say, what is that? It's rebellion is what it is. We'll just have revival in prison. That's where everybody's at. That's where we'll go. <laughs> Amen? I mean, in, in, in Daniel's day, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, people rebelled against a God that even blessed their heathen nation, made, a, made a, uh, an image, and said, bow down. They said, we're not bowing. They said, we're going to burn you up. They said, I don't care what you do. We're still not bowing. And God saved them out of that. Now, real quick, i got a couple of minutes. Go, if you will, go over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, let me find it here. 1 Samuel chapter 15, and I'm going to skip through it real quick, then we'll close. Now, this is just an isolated story. I'm going to pull it out, and we're going to look at it in just a second. Where, where, you know, there was a little rebellion that took place. Everybody say rebellion. Says Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee king over the people. This is verse 1, over Israel. Therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words, the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember, uh, that which Amalek did to Israel, and how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now it's speaking about when, when Israel came out of Egypt, Amalek laid for them. He says, Now go and smite Amalek. Now listen, this is what God says. Utterly destroy all they have. Spare them not. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. Kill them all. That's what God's saying. See, I didn't think God was like that. Well, you need to go study the Bible. It says, Saul gathered the people together, numbered them in Telium, uh, 200,000 footmen, 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul uh, came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul uh, said unto the Kenites, Go, depart you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness unto all the children of Israel. And when they came up out of Egypt, so the Canaanites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites uh, from Havia until thou comest unto Shur, 
that is over and against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and of all that was good and will not utterly destroy them but everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. Now listen to me. Everybody look at me. That seemed right. You mean you, these beautiful sheep here, you want me to just take a sword and kill them? You mean these beautiful oxen? Uh, uh, now here, listen, there's a lot of people that don't, uh, they don't know. They don't know they're in rebellion. They don't know it. Because they think they're doing what seems right. That seems right. Doesn't matter what seems right. What did God say? Now that, that's kind of hard, Pastor. Can I, now come on, you're talking about God being a good God. God be, now listen, <laughs> we either do it God's way or we don't. God wants you to do what He tells you to do and He wants you to do it His way. And there's people that really struggle. They, they see what God wants. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they go doing it their way. Because it, quote, seems right. That opens the door. And then the rest of their life, they're in rebellion. And 90% of their rebellion, they're ignorant of it. They don't even know what they're doing. But 10% of it opened the door to it. And they wonder, why am I not blessed? Why am I not eating the good of the land? Well, I've been serving God for years. What's going on in my life? Listen, you're the one that has to do inventory. You're the one that has to take the Word of God and the light of the Word of God and the Holy Ghost and say, shine it on my heart and let me see what's going on. Why am I not blessed? All I can do is tell you what the Word says. The sheep, the oxen, the calves. Oh, wrong, wrong, wrong one. Verse 10. It seemed right. Everybody say, it seems right. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he's turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. So now you got his pastor crying all night long. There's a scripture over in Hebrews that talks about how your pastor prays for you. That your pastor, when he prays for you, he either prays with joy or a sigh. I'll just leave that with you. You're going to have to guess on that one. <laughs> and when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place. Now, set him up a place. He's setting up a place to worship God. He's not supposed to do that. And he's gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord, I perform the commandments of God. I don't know how many people that I've known that were just defiant and rebellion, but bless God, I'm doing it right. I'm a word person. I'm doing the will of God. I'm, it's, just, it's crazy. Here's the same thing going on with Saul. <laughs> I performed the command. What, did, what was the commandment of God? Kill them all. Samuel said, okay, then what meaneth this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, 
For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord. And now the rest we have utterly destroyed. Oh, it was the people. Aren't you the king? Immediately, you can always tell when it's rebellion because all of a sudden there comes blame. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. Now, let me, I got I to give you this one and then I'll close. In the garden, chapter 3, man's sin. The Bible said God came down in the cool of the day and walked in the garden, looked for his man. And he said, where are you? And he said, well, I hid myself because I was naked. He said, who told you you were naked? Have thou eaten? This is the question that God asked. Have you eaten of the fruit in which I commanded you not to eat? Amen. A lot of people always question God. No, God. doesn't matter if God, God knew beforehand or what. Here's what God's doing. God's doing this. All right, here's the big question. Everybody say the big question. He's going, okay, here you go. Here you go, Adam. Here you go, Adam. Here you go. You got you to focus. You got to focus. You got to get this right. You got to focus. You ready? Here it, is. here it is. Did you eat of the fruit which I commanded you not to eat? What's God doing? Does anybody know? He's true to his nature. He's, he's giving him a way out. Where Adam could have said, oh, I did it. <laughs> I, you got to see this. That's why I'm going to close with this because I'm going to leave you with this one. He could have said, I did it. I did it. I ate. I did it. I knew when I did it. All of a sudden, I saw I was naked. I did it. I can't believe I did it. I did, I'm telling you, I did it. And I bet God's going, come on, Adam. Come on, Adam. Here it comes. Are you ready? I'm pulling for you, Adam. Come on, Adam. It's just one simple answer. It's just one. All you got to do is say, yes. That's all you got to say is yes. That's all you got to say. Yes. Yes. Now, this, this shows you because a lot of people, people are so holy. Oh, they're so spiritual. There's no rebellion in me. These guys are in the pristine environment of the Garden of Eden. They're walking and talking with God every day. Every day, they're in the presence of God. Every day, they're eating of what God has produced. Every day, every day, every day. And he's going, I'm pulling for you, Adam. Come on. Just, just, it's a one-word answer. No problem. And what does Adam say? That woman. shows you how strong rebellion is. That woman, that woman you gave me, she took of it and I didn't eat there. And so he went to the woman and said, did you? And what does the woman do? He's probably going, come on, Eve, I'm pulling for you. Just if one of you get this right, I'll fix the whole thing. I'll fix it all up. Y'all can live in the garden. You'll be none the worse for a while. All this, we won't have to go through all 6,000 years of all this garbage everybody's going to have to go through. Come on, Eve, I'm pulling for you. It was the serpent. So God goes to the serpent, and there ain't nobody else left. So what does he do? He curses the serpent. He was the only one left. 
God's grace was doing its best to try to intervene, to try to get where, where Jesus wouldn't have to die, where, where we wouldn't have to go through all these wars, with all this famine, all this pain, all this hurt. But no, rebellion is so strong that even in that pristine environment, when a choice was given, they chose to rebel. That's why you got to get on your knees. If it ain't working, there's a reason. Now, let me say that again. Now, I'm not talking about having some faith fight and, you know, you're in there fighting and, and you, know, uh, you know, like we're doing with this building. You know, I had somebody, I had a guy call me one time. He talked to somebody that, you know, was familiar with what we're doing. And whoever it was that was familiar with what we're doing said, well, well you know, that, that little preacher over there, he's just having a hard time raising the money. No, I'm not. I don't raise money. And I'm not having a hard time. Jesus said, my burden's easy, my yoke is light. I'm having a blast. I'm going to get on a plane next Thursday and fly first class, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Why aren't you in coach? Because I ate the fat of the land. I ate the good of the land. I'm 62 years old. I take care of myself. Come on, church. I just do that to irritate people sometimes. <laughs> but I'm not ashamed of how God blesses me. Not one little bit. I'm not ashamed. Well, you do that because you can do it. Exactly. It, right answer. Bingo. <laughs> you got that one. Amen. And I'm going to fly to, to a nation and, and go there and preach. A nation that's been full of rebellion for centuries. And now God's trying to move. And God's again, is bringing something sweet and something good and something graceful and something. And, and so you say, what are you going to do? I'm going to get up and preach this stuff right here to help them to see. You have to submit yourself to the, to the Lord. You've got to submit yourself to the Spirit of God. You have to submit yourself to, to authority. And you can't question God or His motives by where He brings you, who He puts you other, or how He leads you or what He does. Because if you do, then all you're going to do is open the door for that rebellion to get into you. And once it gets into you and begins to do its dirty work, it's amazing how people cooperate with it, how people just kind of kind of live in it. But God doesn't get any glory. You don't get any blessing. And the kingdom of God becomes unproductive in your life. So don't judge me. Don't judge a person sitting to the right or the left of you. The Bible talks about judging yourself. And one of the most, one of the most humbling, submission thi submissive things you can do is to go get on your knees somewhere and pray in the Holy Ghost for about 15 or 20 minutes and put your hands up and say, Okay, God, you're going to have to show me some areas in my life where I've been resistant, defiant, rebellion. Because if you don't think you have any... <laughs> Then, then we need to cast the lying devil out of you. Because every one of us, God was dealing with me just the other day over an area where I have been rebellious and defiant with me. You say, yeah, it's as he's peeled back the layers of my life for the past 34 years. And then we get to another layer and he says, now here, this is why you're dealing with this. This is why this is going on. And this is why that's going So you're going to have to submit. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. And so I have to do it. So when we get through this issue, we will go to the next one.
and he will show me something else in my life where I have been defiant and rebellious, and I will allow him to undo that. And then we'll go to the next one after that, and the next one after that, and we'll keep going through them until I either go by the way of the grave or Jesus comes back. Because in every human being, your mind and your flesh has been trained by that rebellious nature. It's in the spirit of the children of disobedience. It's in the air. It's in the air. Everybody lift up their hands. Say, Heavenly Father, help me tonight by your word and by your spirit to take inventory of my heart, not to look to the right or the left, not to look in front or behind me, but to look at myself. I give you permission this night to turn the light of your glorious word upon my life and the dark areas that have not been submitted to you, the areas where I have been defiant. I thank you, Lord, that you empower me to repent and turn from as you graciously forgive all of that in my life. Thank you, Father. I will live a life in continual recovery of the rebellion of this world, living in the good things, living in the blessing of Almighty God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Stand on your feet. You learned something tonight? That's just our introduction. Wait till we start digging in this stuff. I believe it'll help you if you'll listen. Amen. If you're willing and obedient... You will eat the good of the land. Everybody say, that's me. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Give us more than just listening ears. Give us a hearing heart. Father, as we leave tonight, we thank you for your protection upon us. Thank you so much how over the years you've granted us protection. Father, we thank you that as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, we're not subject to accidents of any kind, for your blessing and protection is upon us. Angels are encamped around about us. No evil befalls us. No plague comes near our dwelling place. We as your servants, we walk on serpents, scorpions. Over all power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means harm us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, also that tonight, as we return tomorrow to the, to the righteous labor of our hands, the resource which you've given us, no trauma, no terror, no accidents, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself will come nigh us, for we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you for the door of utterance. Let us always remember that we are ministers of re reconciliation. Let us always remember, Lord God, that we are those that bear the name of Jesus. That we can be answered to people's prayer. We can be a problem to the adversary. We can literally be a miracle in somebody's life. Tomorrow, Friday, Saturday. Lord, return us back to your house on Sunday. Let us invite people to the house of the Lord. Let us remember, freely we have received, freely we will give. Someone witness to us. Someone brought us to church. We thank you for that, Father. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We 
We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.